0: This is Jeff Scott Soto and you are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Hollywood Pooney. You better turn it up and keep it up.
1: Hollywood. So we have a special episode. It's a twofer, a double dipper. We got two great singers that I was fortunate enough to have interviews with, and I want to share both those interviews in this single
2: episode. How cool is that? That's going to be fun because it is honestly two of the best singers in rock right now. And you could almost say that Ronnie is like taking over where Jeff will probably leave off someday.
1: That's right. So we're talking about Jeff Scott Soto, who has a new album coming out called Complicated. And then we're talking about Ronnie Romero, who's one of the brightest up-and-coming singers who's taking part in a lot of different projects. He just released a new album called Raised on Radio. First up, I'll play you my interview with Jeff Scott Soto. We get into his new album, Complicated, along with some other interesting topics that are current, and I got his take on those as well. So we hope you enjoy that interview, and then right after, we'll have the interview with Ronnie Romero as we talk about his latest album, which is a covers album called Raised on Radio. So first up, Jeff Scott Soto. Welcome back to the Grown Up Rock Podcast for the third time, the incredible Jeff Scott Soto. Thanks for being here, Jeff.
0: It is my pleasure. Thank you for
1: having me. Jeff has a new album coming out on May 6th called Complicated. We're going to get into all that, but before we do that, I would encourage listeners that are new to Jeff Scott Soto's career to go check out episodes 33 with Sons of Apollo and then episode 174, where we go all into Jeff's career and cover a lot of ground with that. So long time no see. What has it been? Forty eight hours since I saw you in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: Uh, so yeah, it's nice running into uh, you and Jason there yeah. in Atlanta. Great show as always. Always entertaining. It was fun for. Thank us.
0: you. Yeah, that was an interesting one because normally we're we're booking shows where it's you know it's our audience. It's a it's our built in audience. Yeah. But this was a little different scenario. You know, free to the public kind of thing, and there were people there who had no idea who we are or any of the songs that we're playing. So you try to find that the, uh, the fine line of what people that are coming for us are expecting to see and hear and trying to entertain and kind of you, you throw a fishing line out there. You want to you want to catch a trout. So it's, it's kind of that uh, that demographic. It, you're, you're working in a different way than you normally would if you're just doing your own show with people that, that every single person that's there is there to see you.
1: Yeah, I think if people are willing to listen, they're entertained. Right absolutely you know it's it's easy to uh get in front of the monsters of rock people because we know you but it's a completely different thing to go to one of these other places how have the crowds been at some of these other places i mean is it a mixture of of morgue people and people that know your career or is it like people that are just showing up to show up
0: it's more of the first one you said it's 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 certainly the i mean of course the only way this is going to be successful is the people that do know who we are and, and know what to expect from us show up. Right. And then of course, when the, the new people are involved, they're the ones that are dragging along at Every single show we play, there's always one person that said that, that says to us, you know, I, I told my wife about you guys. I had to drag her out of the house. She was kicking and screaming, not wanting to go. You guys are now her favorite act. She, she's like, when are we going to go see them again? That has got to be the most rewarding thing that any artist can hear. Even as long as we've been doing this, we thrive on hearing stuff like that,
1: well, you know what? The first time I saw you and Jason together was, I think at the twenty nineteen Mork. and my wife she's not a she's not a music aficionado. she's one of the people that can kind of take or leave music. It's background. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> you know it's background stuff for her i'm the right, right, right. i'm the musical geek right the connoisseur yeah so she entertains me and she comes on these more trips with me and she goes to concerts and she always has a good time don't get me wrong she's not unhappy she always has a good time but when she saw you and jason It was not just about the music. It was about the personality and everything else and the jokes and all the stuff that comes with you and Jason together. So I would say that you guys quickly became her favorite, (laughs) you know, to see. So it helps bridge the gap for guys like me. You know, we want to go see a Soto show or, you know, a heat show or an eclipse show or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We want to go see that. But She's a huge Eclipse fan now. She loves Eclipse. But oh, great. yeah, I mean it's it's just fun for all. You know, you guys should definitely keep doing what you're doing with that because I think uh it's a good niche and hopefully you guys are able to make a little money on the side at doing that.
0: You know, it's it's turning into something that we want to keep expanding and keep growing. There aren't too many things when you're starting new, especially at our age and the fact and how long we've been doing that we can actually see uh longevity at this point. We're, we're just kind of writing, not writing into the sunset. I'm, I wouldn't say we're phoning it in, but we're not really trying to reinvent or recreate a brand the way we were when we were younger. You know, we're, we're trying to, we have an end game inside. We have, uh, uh, we're, we're all trying to reach for that brass ring. When you get to a certain age and a certain part of your career, it's 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 almost like, oh, why are you even, why, what are you trying to accomplish at this age? So at this age, we're, we're trying to take the, the few things that still mean something to us Kind of reinventing it and reestablishing it as as a, as a different entity, and that's what the, what Jason and I are doing with this thing. It's turning the comedy is turning to be turning out to be more of the show than the music itself. The, the songs are now becoming like in between vehicles for the comedy, and it, it was never intended to be as that. But it's I love it because it's a whole new world of perspective of something I haven't done that I would I was never intending to do, and it's organically happening to, for both of us, and that's why we love it so much.
1: Hey, and if you're having a good time doing it, that's probably the most important thing, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's so easy to not have a good time doing things that you have to do or expected to do. And and those those few things in life that just kind of come out of nowhere, that you absolutely got to run with them.
1: For the purpose of this particular episode, we're going to talk about complicated. And I also want to get your take on a few things that are happening out there in the music world today and just really get your thoughts on it, if that's all right.
0: Sure thing. As long as it's not click clickbait stuff
1: that's going to end up as a headline on Blabbermouth, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't do that stuff here.
0: But <laughs> well, see, that's the problem. You, you you don't really have to do it. It's it truly is. It's up to how I answer things. It's if it's going to end up that that way, because that's what it's become. You know, it's yeah. it stinks that I can't just be candid and, and talk openly without it turning into something that's going to be used and and taken wrongly. It's somewhere down the road. So. All we can do is what we can do. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, and it's really sad. I mean, I know you know there are podcasts out there and there are are YouTube videos out there where they clip pieces and they send them directly to Blabbermouth. And to be honest, that's not really something we do. Uh, I don't have the time for it nor the willpower to go through it. It's more of a positive environment here and just general discussion. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is... I go into some of these chat rooms and see the discussions that are happening and people posting all these videos. There's this big, like, I mean, it's not new. It's more just kind of been ever constant lately about people using backing tracks, right? Artists in live situations. First, I think it's kind of important to define backing tracks because it's kind of a wide umbrella when people use the term backing tracks, you know. There are backing tracks that are used simply like a keyboard filler track that, you know, can perhaps trigger a a particular sound. There are backing tracks where the backing vocals and the, you know, those are the backing tracks. And then there are, last but not least, there are actual live vocals that are replacing the vocals that are there. Uh You're completely live. I've seen you many times, especially on the Monsters of Rock cruises, which by the way, the two Soto sets on the monsters of Rock Cruises I thought were incredible. We enjoyed them immensely, just the trip through your career and those two things and the the funky thing at the end of the first uh, uh set might have been one of the funnest moments on, <laughs> fun, funnest moments on Mork. But what are your thoughts on on this particular area?
0: Well, for starters, I I appreciate you assuming I'm not using backing tracks, but I've been using them for a lot of years, especially that particular number you're talking about, the the funky medley that we did at the end of the set. There's all kinds of horns, percussion, extra keyboards, a lot of stuff going on there that is not being performed by the band. But the reason for it is to give the illusion of what those songs should sound like, because without those tracks, it would sound empty. It wouldn't even sound like the the songs that we're trying to emulate, that we're trying to cover and, and bring forth. I've been using them for years because when I started getting into things like using uh, drum loops, effects, and so even even some lead vocal delays that are almost impossible to get done, to get right every single time you do it live, the, the sound man might hit it late, might have the wrong delay time on it, etc. There's certain things that are so key, so important to the songs that, for me, if I want them to actually be heard the way they're supposed to be heard, I will put that delay... Knowing that I have to sing it exactly the way I did it on the record for it to make, make it sound like it's doing a repeat of what I'm doing live. Mm-hmm. If I sing it in, in a different way and the repeat that's coming from the backing track is sung a different way, then obviously people are going to know, hey, that's not what he's saying. So those things you have to keep in mind. But there is a visual that comes with certain songs that I want I want to, to be heard and seen and and perceived live. Take, for, for, for instance, a band like Queen. They didn't use backing tracks. And when you how do you pull off... of their catalog make it sound the way a queen record sounds without doing that, Mm -hmm. the way they pull that off. Queen live was a different band than queen in the studio. Queen in the studio was a creative force. It was like, it was like creating uh, the chapel, the Sistine Mm -hmm. chapel. You have the biggest platform and canvas and all the colors and all the different brushes and all that, but live, you have a small little area where you can only use four colors. And you're going to try and recreate that's impossible. So what you have to do is you have to reimagine it so it sounds as good and as strong. I kind of fall between the the, the two boundaries. There's certain things I don't want to give up, but that you would need a 16-piece band to pull off live. So I will, in essence, cheat by using certain backing tracks, but I'm not going to use lead vocals. I'm not going to use backing vocals. I'm only going to use things that color up the track that's missing. If you remove that and you play that song live, it's not going to sound the same to me. That's where I I have no problem using it. Mm-hmm. There are other bands out there that maybe can't do what's expected of them live. They can't pull off the way they're people are expecting them to hear. And they want people to walk away with an enjoyment, not, not them going, Oh, poor guy. I can't do this. Oh, I can't believe they took my money. And they, they did that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There are a lot of people that don't care. They, all they care about is how it sounds and the, the joy that they got from that, that, that event.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's when I say, then go for it. That's okay. let, what you have to do to make sure those people walk away happy occur. But then there are other diehards who are extreme. I can't believe you're cheating me. You're cheating the fans. So yeah, everybody's going to have their own interpretation and their own reasons why they use them, why they shouldn't use them, et cetera. I have my own and I'm not going to mock anybody for the extremities that they have to use them to get through their shows, tours or otherwise.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you hit the, nail on the head. And when I said live, yeah. Triggers are a different thing to me. Triggering a horn sound and even just having a background keyboard track or something. Right. That's different to me. To me, that just enhances the live experience. I don't really care about that. You had a band like uh I'll use Heat as an example. You had a band like Heat on the boat that was using a background keyboard track because their keyboard player didn't make the boat. Right. He got COVID. Yeah. yeah. So they had been They had to do the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, am I cheated because of that? Not me personally. I mean, I would have rather heard a background keyboard track than no keyboard at all because it would have sounded empty to me. So that's not a problem for me. I think if somebody is still using, like, I know that you have a pedal or something up there on the stage that you hit every once in a while that I think is more of just some sort of effect on your voice, right?
0: Yeah, there's a for certain things, especially Sons of Apollo. It was the first time I got that pedal for Sons of Apollo. For a band like that, which we don't have the luxury of two weeks of rehearsal with a full crew and a full soundstage, and we can run through every single detail of every every delay, every with Sons of Apollo. There's no backing tracks, so I couldn't emulate some of the things that I wanted to bring forth live with Sons of Apollo. Right. There's a section on one song where it sounds like a megaphone with a phase shifter flanger thing going on on the vocal. And if I just sing that live, it's just going to sound it's going to sound silly. So I have a pedal that emulates that. And I'm up there instead of trying to tell exactly the sound. guy, okay, on this song four minutes and 27 seconds in. And it's got to be this sound. Make sure you you don't have it's got to be the right blend, blah, blah, blah. I have it on my pedal. I kick it in. I kick it out when I need it. I have certain delays that are very imperative and important to trailing off a lead vocal. The sound guy might be fixing something else or, or trying to remix the drums. And then all of a sudden, my voice is going by and and he's forgotten to add that element. Tell you what, you concentrate on that. I'll take care of the delays. Then there's another song. It's uh, Maybe it has a, on the album, I sang it twice to get that double vocal effect. I want to have that live. I'll kick the pedal into a chorus and it sounds like two of me singing. Right. Those little things... I don't have to worry about somebody else doing, I control them. And when I, when I did the set on the cruise, I, you know what, I'm going to bring my pedal because there's certain things I don't get to do live and I want to be able to control it. And I brought the pedal to be able to do that on this, uh, this last time around. And it's, it's nice having that control of being able to do the things that you normally would do if you were also mixing the show.
1: Yeah. It's called taking advantage of technology, right? Absolutely. So I'm
0: basically running my own delays. I'm running, I'm running specialty things that a sound guy normally would have to do. But guess what? I didn't have the luxury of working with that sound guy before we, we started the cruise and going over every one of these moves. So I saved the trouble. I've saved the time. And you still get the same effect that I'm trying to get across when we do the songs live.
1: Yeah. Today, do you think there are some artists that maybe are staying a little bit too late at the party? <laughs> some, of these, <laughs> some of these videos coming out today, I mean, people love to rip the artist apart and they'll, they'll show a video. Now, my personal feeling is that the YouTube video, although it may be truly what's going on in a live performance, it never sounds that bad when you're there, when you're actually there. Right, right, right. You're absolutely right. So my guess is people are still enjoying themselves. But when when you see the YouTube video of it, you're kind of like, ah, maybe that person should use backing tracks or should use a lift here or there, whatever. But, you know, how does an artist know when it's time to call it a day?
0: You know what? That's up to the artist. That's up to the artist. But more importantly, it's up to the buying public. People who are just badgering and slamming others for their voice or they can't do this. They not that anymore. They're ripping people off. You know what? Vote with your wallet. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't buy it. Yeah. But to go out and slam people, just go on with your day. What are you proving to go out there and slam somebody else that's trying to make a living or really, truly enjoys what they do, even if they can't do it to the, uh, the levels expected of them? It's not up to you. It's up to that person to decide if they really still enjoy it to the point where even they're not delivering what's expected of them, but they still love it and still enjoy it. And it's up to the person who's buying the ticket to go see it. If you don't like what it sounds like, if you don't like the results, don't go. It's that simple. But to sit there online and and share it and everybody putting their opinions, who cares what you think? I I really don't. I don't care.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. It's like somebody coming to your job and going... Uh, you type a little bit too slow these days. Why don't you uh not continue to work and uh go f- do <laughs> something else to provide for your family? Like, I don't really necessarily get it, but I take the same approach, which is right. if it sounds that bad, vote with your wallet and just don't go to it, you know? Exactly. So you continue to put out new music pretty consistently. I mean, whether it's your your own personal solo projects or whether it's sons of apollo or or whatever why not just use the vast catalog you have why do you continue to make new music well it's
0: it's kind of a double-sided answer the bottom line is i never hit that stride i never hit that mark as a household name i i never became a bon jovi a motley Crue a van halen a queen my levels in my career, you know, for the the better part of my life and what I've been able to achieve, it's enough for me to sustain on. And it's enough for me to want to continue doing what I'm doing, but it never reached that kind of plateau. and never reached that level of the end all be all where I can write into the sunset just based on my, my past catalog. That in itself is one of the reasons why I still feel that need and that yearning to create that, that I'm missing something. If I don't create, I, I might be missing something that it, I'm going to regret later. And I don't want any regrets. That's for damn sure. I would rather keep putting new material out because it makes me feel good about myself. But it's more than just the fact that maybe, maybe this one's going to hit. Maybe this is the one that's going to make me a household name. That ideal has gone. It's long gone. I'm not trying to become the next best thing, especially at this age. But what I am trying to do is fulfill myself on the creative end of things. The fact that I have a label like Frontiers, who are also interested in hearing what. Jeff Scott Soto might be turning out in this day and age, as opposed to just, you know, resting on my laurels, the same inside out or sons of Apollo or trans Siberian orchestra. They're interested in what I can bring to the table. That is why I continue creating. That is why I continue kind of challenging myself and tapping into the resources that haven't been tapped into yet. That's the only reason why I continue doing what I do.
1: Yeah. That makes a hundred percent sense because I mean, you just said it yourself, right? You have no illusions of grandeur, like you're going to put out the latest Jeff Scott Soto solo album, and it's going to make you a household name, not in right. today's music environment. It's it's just not going to happen. But you're putting yep. it out for yourself. You're putting it out for your fans, because obviously you do have a fan base uh that you've amassed over the course of, you know, 30, 40 years, right?
4: Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast Growing Up Rock and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.
1: So let's get into the new record complicated. Tell me this, how does it work between you and Alessandro Del Vecchio? Does he send you a bunch of melodies or completed songs and you write lyrics or you tweak melodies? How does how does it happen between the two of you? For my
0: solo records, we have conversations in the beginning. Like when we did Wide Awake in My Dreamland, he didn't ask me what I wanted musically because he write, he writes all the music, he demos all the music, and then he sends it to me for me to complete what I'm best at, which is lyrics and uh, and melodies. You send me the canvas with the outline and I color it in. That's basically what how we, we operate and work together. For the Wide Awake in My Dreamland album, he basically told me he wanted to write and create the songs based on the 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 style and the legacy of my personal career that he truly enjoyed so in other words instead of taking everything that i've done in my career he wanted to just tap onto the things that he personally enjoyed about my body of work and so we based a lot of the songs in in this the the general direction of that album on that for this one he realized that a a good chunk of majority of the uh the, the, the direction was based off Talisman, because that's the one thing that's not in my life anymore. If Talisman was still in existence and still recording and making new music, the last thing I want to do is make and write songs that sound like Talisman. It's, it's a conflict of interest. So Why would I do that? But Talisman is such a removed portion of my life and career right now. And it's such an important one. He thought, let's really tap more into that. Because we can tap into the stuff that you've done, your solo albums and the things that you're doing currently. And I could take those parts that I really enjoy about your life and career, and we can write within that vein, or we can truly just take, encapsulate the talisman end alone and let you just keep doing what you're doing with everybody else. So that way, again, there's no conflict of interest, but there's also kind of filling that void because there's a lot of people out there that truly love talisman, including myself. If we could reference that style and that genre without plagiarizing it, without you know, ripping it off or cheapening it, I'm all for it. And he did that so successfully. He, Every song he was selling, oh my God, that could have been on this Talisman record. That could have been on the first Talisman record. And we were literally kind of extending what Talisman did, not reinventing or not making better or repeating, but extending. And that's what I think we did with Complicated.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great Talisman stuff out there. I mean, I liked a lot of those Talisman re- records. I'm not quite the expert as my co-host, Sonny Pooney. Oh yeah. He's the expert on <laughs> all things Jeff Scott Soto. So he Oh, you know, we all
0: know that.
1: <laughs> he he turns me on to a lot of the stuff, but as far as I'm concerned with Wide Awake My Dreamland, which was the last record, that was the first time I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you and Alessandro really kind of worked together on your right. solo stuff, right?
0: Yeah, that was the first time we did solo stuff together, and and Complicated, the second.
1: Yeah, and for me, I mean, Complicated, I liked Wide Awake in My Dreamland. Complicated just seems like sort of a continuation of that to me. I mean, uh-huh. I don't, I think I'm not an expert enough to go. Yep, this sounds just like a Talisman record. I'm not, I'm just not expert. I just know that it it reminds me of the same type of material that would be right. on Wide Awake. And I enjoyed that record. I've gone through this new record probably five or six times now from front to back. And I enjoy this and can only assume that your fans will enjoy this as well. It's a great record.
0: I appreciate that. And and ex- exactly what we we wanted to achieve, a continuation, as you said. It's a continuation of what we did last together. We're not trying to reinvent. We're not trying to change. We're not trying to experiment. We're just trying to continue where we left off, so to speak. But we also don't want it to be, we don't want it to sound like it's phoned in either. It's got to sound like we put the effort, we put the, the, uh, the energy and the, and the love behind it the same we would if it was uh, it was a brand new record or new artists we were trying to break. It's the same process that goes into everything we do, because if I'm not going to put that effort into it, then why would I bother doing it? I have to enjoy it. It has to resonate with me. Otherwise, there's no interest in me continuing to do this.
1: Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound phoned in. I mean, I think it's a a pretty solid record, having only gone through it six times.
0: (laughs) Six is more than a lot of people would give it.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'm old school. I like to go from front to back with a record, and, and I'm realizing the more time that I do that with various records, I mean, they grow on you. It's like the old days. You didn't listen to a record once and dispose of it, which I think nowadays happens a lot more than I think people want to say. And right. this record, the first single off this record, I think was Love is the Revolution, which I thought had a great course and pre-course. And then right. the, the second single, Last to Know, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's the rocker that kicks off the record. And that's a great one as, as well. My personal favorite. Well, here we go. And it's not even close. I like the record as a whole, but there's one song that stands out and I keep going back to it. And I'm like, I really, really, really love Disbelieving. (laughs) I love it. You
0: nailed it. That's the next single. It it, it drops the same day the the album drops.
1: I love this song.
0: Pick the next single without
1: me telling you man i'm telling you what jeff <laughs> the course and the pre-course is awesome the groove is awesome i know you're a groove head so i know you like this style of jeff scott soto music i like something that breathes and disbelieving breathes, and it's got a great groove and it's got a great riff and the course and the pre-course is awesome
0: well my friend if you were if you were if, if Sonny were on this conversation with us he would tell you exactly what talisman era that song comes from, because that song is so talisman. And this is why the song is, is going to be a single, because it truly, my God, when I when I first heard the music, I'm like, oh, my God, I know exactly what to do with this one. But it has that classic talisman feel to it. But it still sounds it sounds current. It, it's, it's It's strange when you can take something that's classic. It sounds like it's from a certain era, but it still has a contemporary vibe to it. And that's what I love about that song. It sounds like an old talisman song, but a new talisman song.
1: Yeah, I totally dig that one. I mean, there's some others that I like a lot. I like New Horizon quite a lot. I like the two singles that you've already released. Complicated is an interesting one to me because <laughs> it actually sounds it sounds a little bit like uh some of the early wet stuff to me.
0: Absolutely. And and that was that was kind of it was funny that when when I did get that one from Alessandro, I, I was kind of I was leery in doing it only because it sounds too much like something I'm currently doing. I don't want people to say, well, if Jeff is doing material that sounds like wet without wet, why is he still doing wet? What's the, Again, there's that conflict, but that particular it was, it was enough removed from that, but it's also enough close to it that it could be a wet song, but there's enough removed from it that it still was a JSS song.
1: Well, and it sounds like the, uh, it sounds like the earlier wet stuff where it's not like right. this last record, this last record made my top 10 the retransmission record Every, made my top yeah. 10 because that for me I'm a heavier person than than Sonny is in terms of what I right, like. Right. I like big riffs and, uh, uh-huh. and heavier stuff Sonny he'll he'll take your ballads uh, and be okay with that. I'm not a ballad. <laughs> I'm not a ballad head. you can sing to him all you want. That's awesome. It's fine but this sounds like the earlier wet because in the earlier wet days, yeah, they were still hard rock, but there was some there was also some uh, a little bit more AOR uh, commercialism right. to some of the songs and complicated falls in that category to me. You're right.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: So uh, all in all, Jeff, I think you should be proud of this record. Again, the record's called Complicated. It'll be released on May 6th, probably by the time this uh, episode comes out. We'll be there for May yeah. 6th. And uh, Jeff, I don't want to take any more of your time. It's been a pleasure. You know, you're always welcome to come to this show. Sonny will uh, have a million different questions for you or (laughs) or whatever. But, you know, I I was just happy to uh, get a chance to uh, help you promote this record and get it out there to people. Uh, So hopefully people go check this record out.
0: Always thankful, Steve. You know, people like you and yourself and people like you. Uh, it's it's just important for for artists like myself and and the uh, my colleagues that continue to do new music. Uh, it's just as important that we have people like you to help us get it out there. So I thank you.
1: Yeah, it's important to us that we keep getting the new music because we always appreciate it and it continues to be the soundtrack to our lives no matter how old we get.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's you know, and, and I, I had this conversation with uh, one of the other con- with the other interviews I did earlier. You know, in terms of how do I find themes and, and, and subjects to write about when, when you've, you know, I've, I've sung on over 600, 700 songs and you think everything is already written about, everything's already been tapped on, but it, it's not. There's every single day of your own life, much less the lives around you and, and others. There are subjects and things to discuss, to talk about. Everything changes as you get older, when you're younger, you're, you're, you're heading more towards the party and the, 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 the finding yourself sexually as a teenager and as a young adult but then those ideals change as you get older. You, 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 I can't write about those kinds of things. I'm not going to write about going to a party or, or, you know, a girl with red leather and lace and all that stuff. At 56 years old, it sounds silly. It sounds dated. It sounds ridiculous. Right. But you'll have to find things that people can resonate with that, that they can relate to back then. That's what they related to. We were all the same age. We were all relating to the same ideals. Now we're older. We have families. We have even some have grandchildren. So you don't have that same ideal you, that you, you know, you had when you were a teenager, a young adult, but you still have important things that, that must resonate with you that you still have to find and, and tap on. And that's what that's my job to make sure I find those things.
1: Yeah, agreed. What's next for uh, Jeff Scott Soto? Some more Beeler and Soto dates, I'm sure. And what else is going on?
0: Yes, sir. I'm um, filling up the next couple months with uh, stuff with Beeler. I've got a Prague Power show from 2020 to make up in in, August, in uh in June.
1: Yeah, that Prague show here here in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Uh huh.
0: It's, it's sold out, which is great. Love that got Sons of Apollo dates from 2020 to make up. It's a lot of makeup stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm not necessarily going to be touring as I have, as I've always done with albums. It's like a album cycle, you know, album tour, album tour. These days I'm, I'm only going out anymore where there's a demand. It's gotta be a demand now. I really, I've gone to the days where I, I do an album and force a tour and it's, it's costing a fortune to play in front of 80 people every night. I really can't go back to that ideal anymore. I have to, start tapping into things where I get to play in front of the, the, a big amount of people. The, the Beeler thing is different. That's, that's meant for a smaller acoustic audience, mm-hmm. but I'm talking in terms of the rock and the going back on stage and doing what I'm normally used to doing. Yeah. It's got to be in a grander way. Otherwise there really is no interest in doing it because I've done enough of that in my life <laughs> to wave a stick to that. I, I really don't want to do that lifestyle anymore. There's more to life that I missed by doing many years of that that I I refuse to miss anymore. And I don't want to say it's a waste of time because it's never a waste of time when you go out there and playing for people who are paying to come and see you play. But I just have to do it in a bigger, grander way. Otherwise, it's I can't really do it anymore the way I used to.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. The good news for people like myself is that we are always able to catch you usually on the Monsters of Rock cruise or the Cruise to the Edge or one of these right. rock festivals. That's always good. And then I know always, usually in November and December, you can find Jeff on a Trans-Siberian orchestra stage somewhere. Exactly. So it's all good, Jeff. We'll catch up soon, I'm sure.
0: Uh, Of course, Steve. You know, there's going to be something else coming out soon that uh, we have to talk about. So
1: (laughs) that's right. If we can't find any records to talk about, we'll talk about Jellyfish's Spilled Milk. How about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you stay well, my friend, stay safe and uh, healthy and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll circle back and do this again, again, another time soon. Cheers, Jeff. All right. Take care.
4: Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.
2: So, what'd you think about that one? I thought it was a great interview. So, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to apologize to Jeff for not being at the interview because I think he would understand that you got to go do the things that support your family first. And you know, my job kind of got in the way of being present for the interview. I thought, you know, I appreciate all the nice things he said, and you know, I just wanted to apologize. I wasn't there. My take on a few of the things you guys talked about: so backing tracks versus triggers. My take is triggers, voice pedals, voice effects, all totally okay with me. Yeah. Backing vocal tracks, whatever. I'm good. Adding a keyboard track, no problem. Totally understandable. What we saw a few days ago on YouTube, and I will keep the band name nameless, where the entire lead vocal is the backing track, that's pushing it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if you're looking for that on YouTube, all I can tell you is it's a city in California. Good luck with that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody knows about it. Trust me, they yeah. don't They don't need any more sh- publicity.
2: Yeah. Answering the question from my side, when do you know you've stayed too long? I'm with Jeff. Decide with your wallet. Yeah. I'm a believer the artist really gets to decide on their own. At work, I figured it out. You know what? I, I'm probably past the peak of where my career was at work, and at some point, you stop chasing the next thing. This is who I'm going to be. I'm good with it. I'll do it until I'm done. When I can't do it anymore, I guess I'll stop. If somebody fires me before that because I can't do it anymore, so be it. That's the wallet shutting down basically, right? I'm with Jeff on that. Complicated the album. Jeff mentions it in the interview. I hear Talisman all over the album. And I think that's great because I love Talisman. I think Jeff sounds great on the album. I think the guitars are absolutely ripping on the whole album. 11 great tracks. My favorite is also Disbelieving. We'll get that at in a second. And for right now, in the middle of the year, is definitely a contender for top 10 of the year for me, because it's a great album. And because it has the talisman sound, I actually really, really like it. Now, you guys were talking about disbelieving. Jeff wanted me to tell him what talisman era it's from. And it's really from that 93, 94 talisman era. So that thumping bass, the cool groove, it's kind of a cross between this album called Genesis that was released in 1993 and then Talisman released a two part album called Human Animal in 94. Both of those albums, bunch of funk bass grooves. Jeff even sings a line in Disbelieving that says, Give me a sign. And there's a song on Genesis called Give Me a Sign. And it's actually one of my favorite Talisman songs. So that's kind of where it's coming from is that 93, 94 when everybody was kind of starting to do that red hot chili peppers. Like Funk Groove Stuff, that's where it's coming from.
1: Yeah, it's a great song, and I appreciate the funk and the groove stuff, and that's all well and fine, but I like it with the riff. I like it with the song that breathes, and I like it with such a great hook and pre-course. It has the full package for me, and I know Jeff likes the funk stuff. I know he likes the groove stuff. That's part of his background. So Jeff, gracious as always, great interview, great time hanging out, and... Yeah, it was just a fun interview to do. So next up, we got Ronnie Romero. Like I said, up and coming. We get into all things with this new latest album with Ronnie. Also, he kind of explains his overall plan with these records he's putting out. Because I know a lot of people kind of question, why is he putting out a covers album for his first solo record? So we talk a little bit about that and what the overall plan is for that. But check out this interview.
4: Crank? it up.
1: Today's guest on the Growing Up Rock podcast has provided his vocal talents to bands and projects like Lords of Black, Rainbow, Sunstorm, Vandenberg, Michael Schenker, Intelligent Music Project, and of course, your own projects, right? Welcome to the show, Ronnie Romero. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going, buddy? Oh, good. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure to be here with you. Great. First off, let me wish you a happy release day. As we record this today, today is the day that the Ronnie Romero Raised on Radio album has been released. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So go out there and pick up a copy of this and support Ronnie. Let's start out by finding out a little bit of your history growing up around
5: music. You came from a very musical family, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, I was born in a family of musicians. My father, he, he was a singer. Uh, My grandfather, he was a saxophonist. Uh, My mother, she used to sing and play the guitar. My brother, he was a drummer. So, uh, yeah, I grew up surrounded by musicians and by instruments. That's awesome. So
1: do you remember a particular song or album or band that sparked uh, a light in you and made
5: you want to become a musician? I mean, there were a lot. That's what I feel so lucky about my family, because uh, my father, he was a huge fan of the classic rock music. And also my brother. If they, I mean, I was listening, uh, Kansas Journey and many others, and and Led Zeppelin, The Purple, Grand Fang, and then great guitar, guitar players like uh, Steve Ray Vaughan and Frank Marino and many others. Uh, since I was a kid, you know, so there was a lot of a lot of different influences in my in in, in my childhood and my teenage. And also my, for example, my brother. He went a little bit far away from the rock, but he was listening more progressive uh, bands like Marillion jazz and then even the police so so it was a it was a kind of a great 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 mix of different things that makes me love rock music now was it always singing for you or do you play any instruments i play instruments but uh but normally in my professional career i'm just i'm just a singer
1: yeah are you particularly proficient at any particular instrument like are you a great piano player or guitar player or a drummer even
5: I can play piano, I can play guitar, I play bass in a band, Uh, I can play the drums because of my brother. I mean, I grew up with a drum kit in my room, so (laughs) it was really easy to me for, imagine a seven-year-old kid with a drum kit in his room, you can't imagine.
1: Yeah, super annoying to your parents, I'm sure. (laughs) To the neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So are we ever going to see Ronnie Romero maybe step away from singing and just pick up a guitar or drums or something in a particular band or project?
5: No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Um I really loved uh, I enjoyed it the most to, to sing. I was singing since I was a kid and, and I really I, you know, I, I really knew from the beginning that I I want to become and sing. Okay.
1: I've heard the story of how you became the singer in the most recent version of Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, but can you share that story with our listeners?
5: Yeah, I was um I was in my <laughs> in my couch one morning and then I got a message directly from Richie Blackmore. At that time, I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was doing a rainbow color band in Spain, uh-huh. and then we, uh, they saw a couple of videos in YouTube of me singing Man on the Silver Mountain and Gates of Babylon. So they just uh, they popped on me like, uh, you know, uh, we saw some videos, uh, you're cool, and we're going to make some shows next year, do you want to join us? And, it was <laughs> and then I was uh, trying to understand the situation for the next two weeks if this is true, is this happening or not, you know, because Richie is one of my, my musical heroes. Right. And suddenly you get a message from him that uh, to work together. So it was uh, a little bit unbelievable. <laughs>
1: A lot of people have strong opinions about singing competitions and YouTube and social media, celebrities, but also it seems like that's becoming more and more the launching ground for a lot of artists. People like yourself and Arnell from Journey, Ripper from Judas Priest. What's your opinion of all this
5: today? Uh, The people need to understand that the, the music industry totally changed since the last few years, so... You know, for me, it's okay that uh, you have different platforms to show your talent. It is true at the same time that there is a hard competition between talented people and not talented people doing the, you know, the joke on on <laughs> on the social and on YouTube. But besides that, if you can have a career just because you upload a video on YouTube, that's pretty cool. You know, it happens to me. It happens to Arnell, as you say. So I'm I'm totally okay with that. Um, and it's likely that uh, musicians, young musicians, we have the chance to show her skills in more places, not just to waiting for a guy who discover you like he was in the past. So for me, it's okay.
1: Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly because I think what a lot of people don't understand, part of what they're upset about is they feel like people that are on YouTube or start a career, don't necessarily pay dues. And I disagree with that, because a lot of the people that are out there have been plugging away in clubs, just like any other club band for years and years and years. So they have, to an effect, paid dues. They just were picked up or discovered, quote unquote, on YouTube, with a video, right? Yeah, of
5: course. There is a reality behind the video. It's not just the people just uploading a video. There's a, there's something more. I can say I I've, I was playing music since I was a kid, and then I played in small clubs. I play for ten people, twenty people. I I play for twenty bucks. I play for the beers, and doesn't make it uh, less worth just because uh, they discovered me in a YouTube video.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree. So I've heard you say that Richie Blackmore, over the period of time that you uh, were with Rainbow, he gave you a lot of advice. Is there one particular piece of advice that Richie gave you that you
5: thought was really helpful? Yeah, there's one which is very important to me. and, And it was at the beginning of our relationship as a musician. So he told me, don't care about what the people say, just do what." your heart tells you to do and what you want to do because in the same show it's going to be somebody who's going to say it was the first show that it was the the best show that i saw ever and then the people in the other side is going to say this is the worst show i saw ever who has the truth probably both uh so it doesn't matter who what you are listening just do what you want yeah i think that's a great piece of
1: advice i think music hits people differently in all different forms it's the same thing where somebody posts a video on youtube and it can be somebody that to you and me sounds really lousy live but maybe to somebody else it's the best thing they've ever heard right
5: yeah musicians we need to understand that the uh, uh, the music is like any other product like you know some people like the coca-cola some people like pepsi you know yeah <laughs> and you're going to be liked by everybody I mean, only Elvis <laughs> probably, or <laughs> the But uh, even he's not liked by everybody. It's okay to have uh, to have people that they don't like. Actually, today I posted, uh, you know, the picture with the release of the new album, and somebody say, uh, "Sorry, but I don't like it." Uh-huh. And I replied to him, "Don't sorry because you don't like it. I am sorry that you don't like it." <laughs>
1: I think that's a good attitude. That's You got to have a strong skin, yeah. right? If you're going to put stuff out there, you got to have a strong skin.
5: I mean, I play with Richard Blackmore in doing songs from Ronnie James Dio, Graham Bonnet, Jolene Turner, Ian Gillan, David Coverdale. So that gives me a lot of uh, tolerance to the criticism. <laughs> so let's get
1: into the new album raised on radio let me understand this and correct me if i'm wrong this is the first in a series of three records that you have planned so it's it's raised on the radio which you just released which is sort of the more commercial aor type songs but then you're planning on releasing a heavier side of raised on the radio and then an actual solo album with your own materials. is that correct or incorrect
5: yeah, that's pretty much correct. Uh, um, the idea is to make uh, this first one, uh, which uh, had more uh, AOR songs and more melodic songs. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a second album called Raised on Heavy Radio. So obviously it's going to be more heavy with songs from Judas Priest, Inguide Mammstein, Man o War, Black Sabbath. And then the third album is going to be an album completely with original original songs.
1: Now, what is your original material going
5: to be like? In what vein? Ah, that's the question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have I have a lot of different influences, but for me, I'm taking the example of Ronnie James Dio very close because he was he was brave enough to face his solo career after Rainbow and after Black Sabbath. It's pretty much the same thing that is happening to me because after Rainbow, after Michael Schenker, I need to face my own career. Probably, it's gonna be really close to. Uh, Dio Solo, Dream Evil, going to Killing the Dragon thing. Maybe it's going to be something like that. I mean, the songs are going in that direction.
1: Yeah, and it's an important question because it's not like you, yes, you were a part of Rainbow. Yes, you were uh, a part of Michael Schenker, but you also did Lords of Black and that's a pretty heavy thing but that is sort of i mean that's your band that's part of your that's one of your bands so it's not i look at lords of black as more of a ronnie romero thing as opposed to a michael Schenker or rainbow
5: right yeah actually for me the feeling is like uh, even when i love everything that i did and all the people that i work with it was never like uh, the feeling that it is my band you know yeah even with lords of black uh, we start the band together with Tony, but he's taking care of everything—songwriting, music—and then everything is is about him. Right. So that's why I'm deciding to to start to try to start a solo career and and and, and to have the uh, to have the uh, power of decision about everything uh, artistic related and business related. So it makes sense for uh, me.
1: Yeah, when Ronnie Romero is on the album cover, you can't hide behind a band name, right? It's you.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really want to stop the other people who is named Mila, the, like uh, the Rainbow singer, the Michael Schenker singer, you know. I just want to be Ronnie Romero, and, and that's it. Perfect. So
1: let's talk about Raised on the Radio, this uh, latest album of covers that you released. Why these songs in particular?
5: Uh, because the songs, I mean, uh, when I, when we decided to make the covers album, uh, there was something pretty clear for me. There was, I don't want to make the songs that the people would expect me to see, you know. For me, that would be very uh, boring. Uh, not just on the, to record, but for the audience, for the fans, that would be very boring. Oh, okay, the guy is doing Rainbow, the guy is doing Dio, you know that kind of things. I uh, really, I didn't want to go that way. So, um, since I am a big fan of music, and I was listening to all these bands in my childhood, I really want to pay tribute to the more uh, B sides of of the rock music. Not only with the bands, but in the band also with some specific singers like like Brian Howe from Bad Company because everybody relate Bad Company with Paul Rogers. But there's not too much people talking about how great it was, Brian Howe, you know. And the same thing with uh, Elephant, Elephante from Kansas. Everybody relate Kansas with Steve Walsh, but it's not too much people who remember how great it was that album. Play the game with Elephante.
1: Yeah, I uh, I commend you for that because everything that you just said is a hundred percent true. With this record, it is pretty much very deep tracks. When I saw like songs like "Girl on the Moon," I love Foreigner Four. Like Foreigner Four is an amazing record, but you'll never you're never going to hear anybody talk about a song like "Girl on the Moon." Now I happen to like that song, and I knew the song right away, so that was great. And then bands like I'm not a huge Grand Funk Railroad fan. But mainly because mm. I really just don't know the material that well, so this song sin uh sends a good man's brother that's a good tune like I don't know how close that is to the original, but I like the way you
5: did it <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much close to the original uh, for me grandfang is grandfang railroad is a is a very important you know like a like a band in my in my life uh when i was when I was doing my first band when I was fourteen years old, we were playing a lot of grandfang like a lot of songs from a Grand fan. Yeah. yeah, I have very nice memories from 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 my teenaging with with that band. But also, it's like um, there is two things that I, I really wanted to do with this record, as 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 you said. When you listen to the uh, Fallinger song, the "Girl on the Moon," you didn't expect that, and you say, "I wanted the people to feel the same way I feel as a uh, some music fan." Yeah. When you are in the car and you put the radio, or you just listen to something, it's like, "Oh, how much I love that song!" I didn't remember, but I love it. You know. Yeah. So I really want to the people who listen to the record the same thing. Not just to think about the, it's a cover album, I'm tired of, I don't like covers album, uh, I don't think that it's, uh, it should be doing something more original, blah, 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 whatever. I just really want the people to listen and to say, okay, I like that song because I have a memory related to that song. Yeah, so That's why I picked up all this track list because every song is related to a memory of my life.
1: Yeah, Raised on Radio, the latest from Ronnie Romero, I have to say probably my favorite song on this record is a song that I literally forgot about from my childhood until I saw it on the record, and then when I listened to it, you did a very different version. But I really, really like your version, which is uh, "Voices" by Russ Ballard. Uh huh. <laughs> that that is my favorite cover because uh, Russ Ballard is an amazing songwriter, and this song is is something that I remember on the radio back when I was a kid growing up. So very cool, very cool cover of it that's different than the original. Well done on that one.
5: Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, Ross is. I really wanted to bring it uh, to the people that he's not only a, a great songwriter. I mean, I met him a couple of times, and he's a great guy. And uh, we played together with Rainbow. He was a guest uh, musician in, in one of the Rainbow shows in UK some years ago. And uh, when I wanted to, and when I wanted to put a song from him, I didn't want to go in the typical thing like "Since You've Been Gone" or. I surrender. So I, I was looking for something different. And I remember that song uh, playing in the radio of, of uh, my grandfather house when I was a kid. Uh-huh. So I Whoa. said, okay, this is this is the perfect song because I, I have a memory related with that. And, and also because it's a great song. It's just because it's yeah. a great song. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Ronnie Romero, I appreciate your time. We're going to jump and let you get on to your next interview. But once again, Raised on Radio Uh, The album by Ronnie Romero, full of uh, some deep track covers. Go out there, pick it up and support Ronnie Romero. Ronnie, it's been a pleasure. It was my
5: pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: So for Ronnie, did he realize that he used a Journey album title? Because we already have an album called Raised on Radio. And Ronnie, I love you, but if you're going to use the album title, can you do a Journey's cover? (laughs) Right? Like, come on. You know, I I said it before. I think he's going to end up being the next Jeff Scott Soto because... He is the go-to guy in hard rock right now, which he's a chameleon. He can do a lot of different things. And I know he wants to be a solo artist. And I know he's doing this triple album thing, which I think is great. But you know as well as I do that at some point he's also going to have to pay the light bill. And I think he's going to end up doing some extra things. Uh, Yeah. Where do you think he
1: falls? Because at one point in time, I kind of felt like maybe Dino was going to be that guy but then Dino kind of ended up in Whitesnake. So does that sort of take him off the market for the time being? What's, you know, those are the two names you heard
2: more and more is Dino and and, uh, Ronnie Romero. Yeah, if I had to kind of write the story, it feels like Dino's going to end up being Pilsen and Ronnie's going to end up being Jeff. And that is just like Ronnie said, I play the instruments, but I enjoy singing. Well, Jeff plays all those instruments too but he wants to be a singer, right? But when you got Bumblefoot on guitar, do you really need to pick up a guitar and play? like, Right? So I think Ronnie's thinking the same thing. It's like, I, I think it's harder to find singers in our genre that are going to be able to be the next Warren singer or the next you know, Skid Row singer or whoever that may need a singer, especially if Rainbow's going to come back or Black Sabbath's going to come back or some of these Deep Purple's going to come back. They need somebody. Yeah, And Ronnie can do all that stuff, and I think it's a great idea, and I think this whole, I'm releasing an AOR album of songs that even an AOR fan ain't fucking heard, and <laughs> a heavy album, and then an original album, puts him in the situation where a lot of people are going to find out how talented this guy is, and how many different kinds of songs he can do, and he's going to end up getting a permanent gig.
1: God, I would love to see Ronnie Romero pair up with, uh, Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and go out and do like mob rules and heaven and hell back to back or something. That would be awesome. <laughs> he could pull it
2: off too. He'd
1: sound great.
2: So yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. You know, he could shit. He could be the next ACDC singer if he wanted to be like, there's, there's just so many things here. I think the track list on this AOR album is just, it's ridiculous. Uh, it was a good idea to do B-sides. I do like that part mm-hmm. of it. The part that I miss though out of it is if you're going to put a covers album first and it's going to be AOR style to show the dynamics of your voice. Yes, I get it. There's a bunch of songs been done by a bunch of people and you don't want to do the same old songs. But that does put you in comparison with some of those people and I think people would be blown away by the way you did them. Versus when was the last time somebody heard Carolina County Ball by Elf? nobody even knows what that sounds like so how are they going to compare it (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: that was an interesting choice there's a few interesting choices (laughs) on there for sure but there are also a few pleasant surprises on that record one of the pleasant surprises for me is i was surprised to me anyway that he actually sounded good on the zeppelin song which I didn't think he was going to be able to pull off. I just thought it was not because he couldn't sing, but more because it's just, it's a far stretch from him and Robert Plant in sound and everything. But I enjoyed his interpretation of that and was surprised, pleasantly surprised with that.
2: Yeah, I listened to all 11 of these songs and I only knew four of them. The Other seven, I kind of looked at it going, All right, we'll just pretend they're original songs and let's see how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And it all sounded good to me. Yeah. Like, I had never heard Gypsy by Uriah Heep, I don't even know who the hell's in Uriah Heep. Don't bother sending me who's in Uriah Heap. You don't understand, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear in Uriah Heep.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I think I told him in the interview, I'm not, I've never been a huge Grand Funk Railroad fan, so I didn't know that song, but I enjoyed the song. Like I was like, yeah. okay, I like this song. Or at least I like your interpretation of this song. The same was the case for the Uriah Heep song.
2: Yeah, I think it's great. And if he doesn't get a regular gig with a huge band, then I hope his solo career works out the way he wants to. Instead of, he had two years with Great White, and then a year with Skid Row, and then Kip was sick, so he did some winger dates. Yeah. And then Coverdale's out, so he's going to do pseudo Snake. Yeah. And then there's, you know, I don't want that. That would be bad. Yeah. Okay. I got what you're
1: saying. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll see how it all pans out. I'm sure we'll talk to Ronnie again in the future, and I know we'll talk to Jeff in the future. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this uh, double-dipping interview. I think it was a good episode. I think they're both great interviews, and I think they're both great singers. Uh, And so, hopefully, you guys will go pick up those records Complicated from Jeff Scott Soto and Raised on Radio from Ronnie Romero and support those guys. Thanks for listening. Sonny, do you have anything else to add before we get up
2: on out of here? I'll tell you, Talisman is on Spotify. So, if you want to give them a shot, start at Genesis and go to Humanimal Part One. And I think you will be pleasantly surprised that there is a breath of songs on there that don't all sound the same. And if you're an extreme fan, you might really enjoy that Humanimal record. Boom. It's on my list to listen
1: to now. Thanks for listening. See ya. Later.
4: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.